In a time when trends or words and phrases such as quiet quitting, the great resignation and employee disengagement continue to gain traction, it is super important that we and you as a leader talk about employee engagement, how to create team alignment and help people see and even co-create and develop their purpose that they have at work and what inspires them to come and to do good work and stay with your team and stay with your organization. Now, of course, sometimes it's better for employees to leave and move on, but oftentimes organizations and teams such as maybe yours lose great talent, amazing employees, and these kind of losses could have been prevented with a more intentional approach to increase employee engagement and team alignment and helping your direct reports connect to a meaningful purpose. If all that sounds intriguing, then this episode is for you. I'm going to bring on Steve Curtin, who wrote the book, The Revelation conversation, Inspire Greater Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. Steve is a best-selling author. He is also a speaker and expert on customer service management and leadership. Before he launched his consulting company in 2007, he had a 20-year career with Marriott International. I'm super excited to have him on to learn from his wisdom, his decades of leadership experience and experience working with a broad range of organizations and teams to help them not only serve their clients better, but also create better teams and higher employee engagement. I hope you're as excited as I am. So let's dive in. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role, build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In this show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Steve, thank you so much for being on on the Manage Track podcast today and joining us for this conversation. Thank you, Ramona, for having me. So, Steve, you have you know your own background in leadership at Marriott, where you were for twenty years, and then your consulting experience, and then writing the book and being an expert and a speaker and and consultant on the topic of customer services and customer success. And you also talk often about leadership. So at your recent book is called The Revelation Conversation, Inspire Greater Employee Engagement by Connecting to Purpose. And I am most curious to hear hmm. what inspired you to write that book. Well, I was inspired to write the book based on an experience I had in 2016, where I spoke to a group of 222 senior leaders mm-hmm. from a sophisticated billion-dollar organization. And my client wanted me to speak to connecting to purpose at work. And I said, now, you you have a one sentence corporate mission statement, how many of the 222 senior leaders in attendance will be fluent in that one sentence corporate mission statement? He said most. And so as we got closer to the day, I, I asked him, I said, now, what do you think about doing a naive activity here at the very beginning of my talk, before I really say anything, if I distribute these index cards and I just ask the group, would you write down the organization's one sentence corporate mission statement without using your smartphone, without mm-hmm. having a conversation with a colleague seated next to you, just on your own, based on recall, write it down for me. So we did that. 
And we collected those cards. I went on with my talk. And then afterwards, in the days afterwards, I, I laid out all those cards. I went through them. And out of 222, re recall my client had said most would be fluent in the one sentence corporate mission statement. Out of 222, there were four correct answers. No so that's way. less than 2%. Nearly three dozen people left their cards blank or wrote a uh, question mark on them. They had no clue. And then at least one senior leader, they thought it was a trick question. They wrote, I don't believe we have a corporate mission statement at this time. <laughs> you know, I thought, although most sophisticated organizations develop, they spend time to articulate a corporate mission, vision, or purpose statement, most managers, leaders within those organizations don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. So it's interesting that you then were asked to talk about the specific topic of connecting to purpose. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Knowing that when you, so you have that experience, you realize, wow, this is a big gap. But then also, how did that tie into employee engagement? Well, it ties into employee engagement because if you uh, lack purpose, if you lack direction, then really what's left is toiling. And most employees in most organizations toil at work because they, they lack a true north. Even though the true north may be articulated and displayed on the company website or framed behind a pane of glass and hanging in the executive corridor, their immediate supervisor lacks awareness of it, uh, more than likely. And mm -hmm. if their supervisor, their manager, the department head lacks direction, then you can almost guarantee uh, the frontline hourly employee will also lack direction. When you say they lack direction, help me see the, the bridge and the connection here, because I'm making the assumption when I hear this, I'm making the assumption that there is sort of the corporate mission statement. But what I'm doing, I feel like it's very tactical, it's short-sighted. I'm not quite sure why we're doing what we're doing and where we're even headed. And as a result of that, I also don't really see how my work fits into that bigger picture, or I might not even see if I want to buy into it, or I don't feel specifically connected. My heart isn't really in the game, or even I may not see the benefits it has or where this is helping me for my personal career. Are these all, am I going the right direction here? Am I missing something or am I off track? No, you're definitely going the right direction. What you've stated is a very, I think, familiar perspective on a job role. And so what I mean by that is that most employees and most supervisors and managers, most leaders actually perceive a job role as consisting of two parts, job knowledge and job skills. And so the priority is that the employee possesses adequate job knowledge and the employee mm -hmm. can demonstrate sufficient job skills. Mm -hmm. if, they can, if they possess adequate job knowledge, in other words, they know what they're doing, and they can demonstrate sufficient job skills, in other words, they know how to do it, then by extension, they're competent. And that's largely the goal, is to have a workforce that's competent. In fact, most employees that I encounter, whether it's at an airline or a supermarket or a bank, most employees are competent. They possess adequate job knowledge, mm -hmm. they demonstrate sufficient job skills. Uh, they are competent to execute and deliver the product or service that is expected. So they, as a result, they meet expectations. They do it all mm -hmm. the time. 
they're competent. There aren't a lot of incompetent people out there. That's not the issue. The Mm -hmm. issue is that that's how they define the totality of their job role, which leaves a large portion of the job role hanging in the balance. And that is job purpose. So so they have job knowledge, they have job skills, but they lack job purpose. Job purpose being their single highest priority at work. They don't know what it is. So interesting. There is an alignment exercise that I'm familiar with, which asks both the manager and the employee to answer the question, what's the purpose of your role? Mm-hmm. And then they both answer individually and then they go and compare in a conversation <laughs> in a meeting. I bet that's fun <laughs> <laughs> and enlightening. Right. So I'm curious if we break it down to a very tactical piece of advice or suggestion here for the audience, the leaders who are curious now and they think, interesting, yes, I do look at my team as, do, or do they have the skill and do they have the knowledge? I'm not sure how do I ensure that they have job purpose. Is that a way to start? Or what else would you recommend for people to ensure or build that sense of job purpose into that into that equation? Yeah, well, they, they first, they need to know what the job purpose is. You know, we're making an assumption that because you're a supervisor by title or a manager by title, that as a result of that job title, you now are grounded in job purpose. But as my opening story indicated, out of 222 senior leaders, these were senior leaders, a billion dollar sophisticated technology organization flown in from all over the country to an airport hotel in Chicago. And only four of the 222 knew the one sentence corporate mission statement, which, okay, they called it a mission statement. You may call it a vision statement. You may call it a purpose statement. You may call it something else, Mm -hmm. but that's essentially the true North of the organization. And they lacked awareness of that. In fact, most of your listeners likely lack awareness in terms of, you know, are are they fluent in their organization's purpose statement or vision, Mm -hmm. whatever they call it. Maybe they are. I think it's going to be the minority. Are they fluent in the core values of the organization? Probably it's going to be in the minority are going to be fluent in each of the four or five or six or however many Mm -hmm. core values the organization has. And even if they can list the core values, can they interpret them? In other words, can they say, this is how our organization interprets that value? And then if they can do both both of those things, articulate it and interpret it, can they apply it? Can they say, this is what that behavior looks like in action, actions and behaviors in the organization on a day-to-day basis? And here's how we leverage that value in decision-making. Can they, can they do all that? If they can, great. But if they can't, uh, those questions all need to be answered before they engage a direct report in a conversation about purpose. So good. It's a very clear action item for anyone listening and myself included, right? So there's the, let's get really clear on understanding what are, what's the corporate mission or purpose statement, and then engaging in conversations to find out if that's not obvious or if there isn't a intranet page or some document where the values are articulated and then interpreted it gets really clear on what does that actually mean to us and then what are the behaviors that will demonstrate this value right then that would be the first place to get that settled down and then to transfer this into the team values and i'm actually curious when we're looking at the people listening that may not have any say in developing the corporate value 
or the purpose statement, or even saying like, hey, you know what? We don't have values or the values are intact. Like they're not tangible. They're, we don't, we're missing what that actually, the behaviors that are attached to those values. Right. It's a great point to get feedback upwards or to bring that up, but they may not be able to fix that. But what they're able to influence or directly impact is how all this is seen on the team. How do we translate a company set of values and purpose statement and make it as a leader, make sure that that is, regardless of what it looks like on a corporate side, there is a really strong set of purpose statement, team values and interpretations, including behaviors in place and made explicit for their teams. What does that look like? Well, it, it looks like leveraging the existing mission, vision, purpose statement and core values under the assumption, the point you made, under the assumption that those exist. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't exist, you also suggested managing up and in, 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 uh, interacting with, with your boss uh, or a company founder, depending on how accessible he or she is, the size of the company, how sophisticated it is. These are great conversations to have. And just to make sure everybody's on the same page, because what you don't want to do is you don't want to operate in a vacuum and say, well, mm -hmm. I think the single highest priority is this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, if that doesn't align with your boss, there could be a problem. Yeah. So at a minimum, I think the conversation needs to be held with your boss and just say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm thinking about these things. We don't have a formalized organizational purpose statement, but I'm thinking, you know, why does the organization exist? And have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. That's what an organizational purpose statement is. In other words, whether you've articulated it or not, the purpose of the organization exists. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it's acknowledged or not, it exists. Because if you, if you were to define a purpose statement, it's the existential question of the organization. Why do we exist? Mm -hmm. You need to answer that question, but don't answer it uh, in a vacuum. You, you need yeah. to have a conversation about this, uh, but you need to come to terms on why do we exist what is our true north? What is our single highest priority? And then from a job standpoint, how does my unique job role contribute to supporting, reflecting that purpose and supporting that organizational purpose? And so here we're making a distinction between the higher purpose of the organization, organizational purpose, and the higher purpose of the job role, which is job purpose. Sometimes they're one and the same, Sometimes they're different, they're unique in that they address the unique contribution of the specific job role. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system, not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system, and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must-have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one -on -one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training, plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at ramonashaw.com slash one one. That's two times the number 
one. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to ramonashaw.com slash one one to get started right now. So in your book, you talk about four questions that can help define every employee's purpose, including your own. What are what are those four questions that you suggest people? Well, the first question is the question that we're talking about right now, which is uh, what is my purpose at work? So Mm -hmm. what is my single highest priority at work? And here we're talking about the job. Yeah, that's your North Star, right? That's the North Star of the job rule. You need to articulate that. That's the first question. What's my priority? And the best way to get at that is, you know, the, the, the five whys. It doesn't have to be five. Mm-hmm. But asking why multiple times mm-hmm. is the best way to sort of peel back the layers of the onion to get mm-hmm. the true meaning and significance and contribution and purpose of the job role. And one of the examples that I've used, my backgrounds with Marriott Hotels, is to engage a, a hotel housekeeper in the question, why does your job role exist? What's the highest priority of your job role? If you ask that question initially, it's going to be to provide a clean guest room. Mm-hmm. Well, that's kind of a tactical response. It's an obvious response. It also makes a great bullet point on a job description. It can mm-hmm. be quantified, it could be ranked, it could be rated, it could be measured. So that doesn't fit the bill mm-hmm. uh, for the higher purpose of the job role. So we have to ask a better question. Why do we provide a clean room? Well, to create a satisfied guest. Why do we create a satisfied guest? Well, so that they return. Why do we want them to return? Well, you, you, you ask all these questions and you get to, well, you know, perhaps in the hotel world, one of the most significant KPIs on the guest satisfaction survey is intent to return. Mm-hmm. So the question is getting at what is the guest intent to return to this hotel, to this property? That's very significant. It's a KPI, key performance indicator, and it's tracked by every hotel, mm-hmm. at least in the Marriott world. And it's a good KPI to track because we want to know what's their intent to return and to repurchase. So if you make that connection between the cleanliness of a room and a customer's intent to return, you can also, by extension, say, hey, if somebody's intent to return, then he or she is a loyal guest. And so why do we want a loyal guest? Well, they have an increased intent to return. They're less price sensitive, so we could charge higher rates. And they're responsible for 80 to 90% of the positive word of mouth or mouse online mm-hmm. about a company or about a brand, about our hotel. So what you've done in that conversation with the housekeepers, you've gone from your highest single priority is, is not necessarily to provide a clean guest room. Um, your single highest priority is to create a promoter of the hotel, to create mm-hmm. a loyal guest who has all those attributes that I mentioned. That's mm-hmm. your single highest priority. Having said that, it's not zero sum, you know, it's not provide a guest, a clean guest room or create a promoter. You have to do both. And in fact, providing a clean guest room is table stakes to be a competent hotel housekeeper. Yeah. And so when someone speaking of employee engagement, right, just thinking about someone who's cleaning a room and thinks I'm doing this because I need to clean the room that level of engagement and attention to care or detail or how they respond to complaints or to questions, 
you know, and I sometimes walk by, I'm like, can I get an extra towel? Could I please get an extra bottle of soap? (laughs) The way that they respond to it has nothing to do with competence or skill and knowledge. It has to do with how they see their, define their purpose. And so if their purpose is to have to create loyal guests, they'll for sure give me an extra bottle of shampoo. Right. Yeah, right. There, listen, there are a whole lot of competent housekeepers. There are a whole lot of competent frontline employees across industries. So it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. adults, across industries. But the distinction that we're making is exactly the distinction that you pointed out. And that is in addition to technical competency, which yields a clean guest room, what are the other actions and behaviors that are not mandated by a checklist? In mm-hmm. other words, you could have a supervisor come in and if you didn't clean the room properly, that becomes a question of competency and perhaps retraining in order to uh, you know, meet that expectation of competency. But we're oftentimes we're not dealing with that. We, we have people who are competent, but what they're not doing is reflecting the single highest priority of their job role because they lack awareness of what that is. But if they are reflecting the single highest priority of their job role, using our example, if they are actively engaged in reflecting the higher purpose of creating a loyal customer, a promoter of that hotel, ask yourself, what else are they going to do besides provide a clean guest room? Are they going to be observant? Are they going to pay attention to detail? Are they going to, when they see you in the hallway, express genuine interest in the guest? Are mm-hmm. they going to convey authentic enthusiasm in their work? Um, are they going to uh, follow up on maintenance requests and follow through? Are they going to, if they see torn vinyl or stained carpet, are they going to point out these maintenance issues rather than overlook them because it's, you know, quote unquote, not their job? Yeah. If they're engaged, they're going to follow through on these things. If they're not, they're not. So if you, if if I think about how to actually implement this and you talk, obviously, you know, read the book, the revelation conversation to do exactly this, but for the, to, to keep this in a nutshell and for the purpose of this podcast, if I'm a leader now and I listen to this and I think, yeah, I've actually never come one, I might not be able to recite my company's purpose statement. That'd be first, first action item. Second, I've never had the conversation with my team members. I don't actually know if we're on the same page with what is the job purpose. So we should probably have this kind of conversation, but there's probably more to this. And I'm specifically thinking about how to build this into, you know, ongoing routines, reviews, conversations to not make this a one-off exercise and right. It's like one and done, and then it gets filed and stored away somewhere and we'll never recite it or review it together. How do leaders create this kind of culture that's purpose-driven on their teams? Right. Well, to your point, there needs to be an investment of time. And I'm not just saying this to sell a book, um, but you need to be girded. I mean, there's a reason. What we're getting at is you need to hold the revelation conversation with your people. Mm -hmm. But initiating the revelation conversation is chapter four in the book. So in other words, there's some groundwork that needs to be done through chapters one, two, and three about revealing the totality of the job role. Um, Comment I made earlier is that we have awareness about uh, job knowledge. We we know what to do. We have awareness about job skills. We know how to do it by and large, but there needs to be a conversation about job purpose, which is why we do what we do, 
the way we do it at work. And in order to initiate the revelation conversation, which again, um, it's the cornerstone of the book, and it's also chapter four, is you have to be able to be fluent in core values. You have to know how to interpret those values. You have to know how to apply those values. You have to know how the job role connects to the higher purpose of the organization. If you have a mission, vision, or purpose statement, you have to know the single highest priority of the job role. And you do that by asking the question why, as I shared in my example, to go beyond the vernier to the true highest priority of, of, of that job role. You have to do all that in chapters one through three. Mm -hmm. And then in question four, in answer to your question, is you initiate the revelation conversation by simply asking your direct reports individually. This is not a group activity. This is individually. So it's done more frequently and less formally. Mm -hmm. What you would do is you would approach them and you would say, would you describe for me, from your perspective, your job role, what your job entails? Mm -hmm. That's the question. And then we keep asking the why, right? Until we really get to that purpose statement. Just to clarify, the, the five why activity is something that's done in advance of the revelation conversation. So in other words, you know what the highest single priority mm, gotcha. is yep. before you initiate this. Okay. okay. And this is all covered in chapters one through three. So by the time you get to chapter four, you're just asking that question. And what they're going to say in response to the question, would you describe for me from your perspective? So it's from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's really no wrong answer here. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not fishing for an answer. Would you describe for me from your perspective, your job role, what your job entails? I've asked this question a lot as a part of my consulting practice. And what, what people will typically say is the bullet points of their job description. Mm -hmm. In other words, they'll describe their job in its totality in terms of job functions, mm -hmm. uh, what they do and how they do it. It's mm -hmm. like the bullet points of their job description. And then I'll, I'll wait for them to end and I'll, I'll usually say, is there anything else? And they might add one or two more things or they might say, no, nope, that's about it. And then I'll validate what they've said. And as a supervisor, you need to validate what they'd say and say something like, listen, that's an impressive list of job functions, the duties and tasks that are associated with your job role. Is anything related to your single highest priority at work, the, the essence of your job? And you have to take responsibility for that and say, if that's how you describe the totality of your job role, just strictly in terms of job functions, then I, your supervisor, have described your job role to you incompletely. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't mentioned job essence. And they're going to say, well, what's job essence? And I'm going to say, well, it's your single highest priority at work. And then they're going to say, what's that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then that's where you have this conversation about your single highest priority at work is, you know, in our other example, we said to create a loyal customer, to create a promoter of the hotel. And so if you say to create a promoter of the hotel, they might say, well, what's that? You say, well, it's a loyal customer who, and we shared the attributes earlier, responsible for 80 to 90% of the positive word of mouth. They're less price sensitive and they have higher return and repurchase rates, which is good because of that intent to return question on the guest satisfaction survey that everybody's aware of, by the way, because it's an important KPI that's posted, tracked, measured, and celebrated, hopefully mm -hmm. celebrated. So you have this conversation and then you get into, well, how, how, how do I do that? It becomes a very productive five-minute conversation because you could say, well, beyond uh, what you do to provide a clean guest room, to use our housekeeper example, in addition to that, you can do all these other things. You can express genuine interest in the hotel, or I'm sorry, in the, in the guest. How do you go about doing that? 
Well, I can engage them. I can make eye contact. I can smile. I can add energy to my voice when I interact with them. Oh, that's great. What else can you do? Well, I can provide a personalized note. There are a number of things that they can do. And so this conversation becomes very productive at reinforcing the single highest priority of the job role, because guess what? They're already competent. I love it. You just took this um, because it turns it into a set of behaviors, but not the set of behaviors as of, and here is how you can demonstrate this. Do these four things, which is then like, oh my gosh, my boss is telling me I should smile at the guests, right? Right. Well, (laughs) can you believe it? That's what I need to do. (laughs) It becomes their idea. Yeah. But then you ask them the question you think with that in mind, if you think about fulfilling the purpose of your job, in that totality, what else can you do to get to that, to contribute even more and to align further to that main purpose? And then, yeah, let them come up with the ideas and what they could do. Right. And I would post them. I mean, if I were the director of rooms or director of operations, if I were the head of that department, I would have a list and I would have this conversation again, individually. We were not trying Mm -hmm. to be efficient here and have a large group. This gives you an opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation. If you are a respected leader, if you are a credible leader, then that Mm -hmm. will be energizing to your direct report that you have made five minutes available and maybe it's 10, maybe it's 15, maybe you spend a half hour with them. I'm not suggesting you have to, These conversations ordinarily happen within five minutes, and they're very productive. In fact, it might be the best use of your time at work besides serving a customer directly is to hold these less formal, more frequent uh, revelation conversations to put, we talked about alignment earlier, to put everybody on your staff on the same page. But what I would do is I I would gather information because I would do a lot of listening in these conversations. I'd ask the question, then I'd zip it and listen to the responses. You're Mm -hmm. gonna collect a lot of actions and behaviors that they're doing as a matter of course. We just haven't labeled them as job essence, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. they're they're already doing them. And then Mm -hmm. you capture those on a whiteboard or on a flip chart, you capture them, or you capture it in an Excel spreadsheet and you distribute it. Maybe you have a huddle or a a lineup or some pre-shift meeting where you distribute Mm -hmm. that. And then you have a conversation about it. Again, it's not a long, protracted conversation. It's not necessarily even a a formal department meeting. It's just casual. So I would post them. I love the idea of these being visible. And I love the idea of it being continuous. We don't have a finite list. We're out of space. We continue to add behaviors and we talk about them. We keep it right in front of people. It's proximate. And then you have more and more housekeepers, to use our example, perpetuating these behaviors. And then you have more and more guests who are saying, demonstrating a a high intent to return to the hotel. And you probably have a way more or higher retention rates on your team. I would like to think so, because there's a definite correlation between meaning and purposeful contributions at work and engagement. And there's a subsequent correlation between the percentage of engaged staff and low attrition, turnover, absenteeism, shrinkage. So so I'm going to light the fire or turn that up even more. I'm going to be the devil's advocate here for a second. What if (laughs) someone says, well, Steve sounds great. Like I get the point, but I just don't have the time for this. What you say? Don't have the time for the question. The, The conversations, like even me having conversations about the corporate statements, like 
I already only get 30 minutes every other week with my boss. And now I should have this conversation. And then I'm running out of options to talk to my eight direct reports that about, about work in general and, you know, hard to keep up with all the projects. And you're just adding this one other thing to it that just seems like really nice to have. I get it. Just not urgent. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have, I have a couple opinions and I'm going to share the, the productive one. I was going to say, share them unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, well, the productive one is to understand that you have to validate that reaction. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's a reaction and you have to validate it because many operators are drowning in whether it be corporate initiatives, regional office uh, initiatives, customer demands, attrition, they're short-staffed, regulatory issues. I mean, the list goes on and on. People are drowning and you have to validate that. You can't say you're not busy, you're not drowning, you have time for this because now you're creating an edict or a mandate and that's just not going to work. Mm -hmm. So really you know, what, what I would do is I would attempt to sell it in the sense that I'm a big fan of James Clear's work. He wrote a book, Atomic Habits. In the book, he discussed a concept called the theory of marginal gains or the aggregation of marginal gains. And I'm a big believer in that, that if you can just improve 1% every day, then over the course of 365 days, you could become 38% more effective. So whether you spend that 1% reading or you spent that 1% conditioning, or in this case, you spend that 1% of your time engaging your frontline employees in a revelation conversation, I think you can increase your effectiveness 38% over the course of a calendar year. 1%, if you're talking about an eight hour day, is about five minutes. And so if you've got five minutes in your day, again, we're not talking about pulling up a chair and scheduling an hour conversation. That can be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But I think most reasonable leaders, most reasonable listeners to your podcast are going to say, you know what? I've got five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I would try to sell. I would just say, try it. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd say, try it for 21 days. What do they say? It you, you could form a habit in 21 days. Why don't you try it for 21 days? If if you don't feel like you're getting any momentum, you know, let's revisit this. But just just try it for 21 days. I like the odds of you coming out on the other side of 21 days and rolling into a 22nd day uh, with progress, with momentum, with movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So having these, just starting with small, like one conversation at a time, one five minute chunk to capture your notes or think about something in a, ahead of time and and have that sort of as a, as a side track running, but to use that momentum over a course of 21 or, or 30 day timeframe. Yeah. Forever, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but we'll, we'll give you three weeks to start. So, yeah. To see, to see the ripple effect. Cause I do think too, that some, so often thinking about the leader's job purpose, right? If you even start there, there, it's easy to say as a leader, you know what, my job purpose as a leader is to deliver results. 
well, we could talk about, well, you know, results through others. And then how do you do that? And then it may get to the point where actually you deciding or not deciding, but you having these job purpose conversations is very much in alignment with your own job purpose. It may be actually just one of those action items or behaviors that would make up that essence of the job. Right. Because maybe your results, if that's your the yeah. your first response, maybe your results are inextricably linked to the mm-hmm. productivity of your employees. If that's yeah. the case, by asking why five times, you might get to your single highest priority is to inspire or to motivate your staff. Yeah, and, and so engage. Mm-hmm. It, exactly. And create an engaged workforce. And then what do your daily job responsibilities, how do they change when that mm-hmm. becomes your single highest priority? High five to that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that one is hard to wiggle yourself out of because that's then very clear of, oh, maybe the one thing here that I'm doing to respond to these emails or respond to these Slack messages or that meeting that I'm attending is actually not serving my highest purpose here or the essence of my job, but having these job conversations very much fits into the, into that picture. Exactly. Awesome. Thank you, Steve, so much for bringing this conversation to the podcast. We'll obviously link to the book. We'll also link to your previous book and to your homepage. Is there another place that you think people should go and connect with you or reach out to you or find more about the work that you do? Well, I'm on all the social channels. You can find me by name, Steve Curtin, and that's C-U-R-T-I-N. And uh, certainly on my website, stevecurtin.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. I hope that you all listening or you listening have learned as much as I have. Sometimes I think these are the conversations that aren't as urgent as other things on our to-do list, but are so important and I hope that just hearing these examples and the conversation with Steve really highlighted why it matters as leaders to spend the time on these efforts and how employee engagement really fits into that bigger picture and is directly connected to your impact as a leader in the workplace. Thank you so much, Steve, for being on. You bet. Thank you, Ramona. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.